the Mind Body Connection podcast. The body and mind. With your host, Dr. Phil Parker. Hi and welcome, it's Tuesday, it's Phil here, it's six o'clock, it's Facebook, which means we're doing yet another health boosting seminar and this is uh, week 13 of us doing this, so welcome. If you're joining us for the first time, then um, uh, very welcome, um, means some, some friend of yours has watched this and recommended it to you or have seen it on social media. Uh, thank you to your friends for uh, sending your uh, trusted friends and colleagues this way we always have a really interesting conversation and today is no exception we're going to be dealing with a whole range of stuff um, based on questions that people have asked me both in client sessions on Facebook and social media and today we're going to be looking at how do we deal with situations where we get bent out of shape where we feel that uh, life's tough and we start to crumble maybe we find ourselves kind of wanting to curl in a ball and run under a, a duvet um, and how do we move into who we want to be the serene uh, yogic um, master of our own destiny when it doesn't feel like that's particularly possible we're also going to look um, at how do we get ourselves back in touch with what's really important for us it's different for different people but what's important to you because of course when we're in that kind of crushed state it's more difficult to remember what's important because we're often internally focused or minutely focused on some particular part of our life that's not working so it's more difficult to see the bigger picture and where we're going and um, also when we've lost touch of that bigger picture uh, of what's important for us it's again easier to kind of collapse so these two things are interrelated so we're going to look at this today along with a whole bunch of other stuff please do post your questions i can see people already on the call welcome uh, do put any questions you have on any subject maybe the thing i'm talking about or maybe something related or unrelated happy to answer everything if you're watching this on catch up so you're you can't make the six o'clock thing because you know having cocktails with friends or something really fabulous or maybe you're in australia and using actually having snooze which equally is okay then please do leave comments and questions uh, even on the on the rewind we'll we'll look at them and we'll answer them in future versions so welcome to everyone i see a lot of people coming in a lot of familiar faces uh, good to see you uh, if again as I say if you have some specific question you want answering I'll definitely try and answer it for you but the topic today is about how we get ourselves out of not very positive states uh, states where we often feel young and, and by that I mean we're behaving in ways that don't really represent uh, the brilliance that we we uh, like to think of ourselves as being most of the time and many of us do this you know we we find ourselves something just knocks us off our normal oh, everything's great and suddenly everything's not great and we've disappeared into a little a little ball of um, pre-pubescent or possibly teenage stress and worry so that's what we're going to be talking about the first thing i'd like to talk about is uh, two major states and this comes from the work of Robert Diltz and Steve Gilligan uh, check out their stuff they do a whole bunch of stuff called generative coaching and they look at two particular states 
which we're going to spend a lot of time talking about today, called Crash and Coach States. But I can see some questions coming in, so I'm going to look at the questions and then I'm going to explain what Crash and Coach States are. Difficult question. In-laws. <laughs> In-laws. I have a very difficult sister-in-law and I can't win. How do I deal with her when I see her? She's nice, but the niceness often has, or always has a barb. I'm sure other people can relate to that. Some of the trickiest people to deal with are the ones we can't escape from because that's very often our strategy. It's like, oh, I just don't, I don't I'm going to quit the job. I'm going to possibly even leave the relationship. I don't want to be around this person anymore. When we're related to them, you know, so in-laws are a good example of this. We want to be with the person we want to be with. It come with a whole bunch of baggage, as most people's lives do. How do we deal with that? And particularly people's um, quite cl clever ways of being. And I, I use the, the word in inverted commas, clever, because it's almost like they've got a sixth sense and they know which button to press, what to say to make us go into what's called a crash state. So uh, I think we'll cover that as we go along, Lisa. Um, but if anybody else has any questions about people in their lives that they've either currently or in the past had to deal with, then please do pop them in. So let's have a quick look at coach and crash state. Got a little PowerPoint for you. I'm sure you, I know some people like this when I become very tiny. You ready? Oh, there I am. I'm it's tiny, Phil. Hello. <laughs> so um, there's a little shadow. I'll try and get rid of that shadow. There we go. It's a bit better. Oh. So coach and crash state. So these are acronyms. So crash state is where we're suddenly feeling that we are a little bit uh, attacked. We feel upset. We feel our emotions running wild and we're not quite sure what to do with it. So what are the, the letters of crash stand for? Well, first one, the C of crash is contracted. So contracted, if this is us as normally, contracted is us being closed in. Everything wanting to kind of retreat into the smallest ball that we could possibly be in. And this is contracted both physically in that we get ourselves, you know, feeling tight, trying to feel small, but also we're trying to gather in all our energy, keep it to us. We don't want to let anything go away. We don't want to let any ideas out. We might steal them or might shoot them down. So we just try and hide and become as, as thick and dense and protected as we possibly can. And it's a reaction to the sense of being attacked. Um, who knows that feeling? If you know that feeling, say yes on the, the comments. Um, it often feels strangely comforting in some ways. It's almost like just hiding from the world, getting under the duvet, making yourself small feels like being a kid again when the world is the world's against me that contraction next up is the r r is reactive so reactive is um base ways to think about it is bouncing a ball against a wall as you bounce the ball against the wall the harder you throw it the more it comes back at you so reactive is when someone is just flying back at you so we may become 
reactive. When people have said something that's upsetting, we may find ourselves lashing out and attacking. And of course, as we've talked about before, when people feel attacked, what they tend to do, of course, is to defend, to attack back. You may know, I think whilst you think about crash state, I like to think of it from two perspectives. First of all, from your perspective, what that feels like, but maybe recognizing it in other people. So like in the, the, the sister-in-law, is she in crash state? Is she contractive? Is she reactive? Is she attacking? And sometimes people, well, quite often, when people are in crash state, and some people are in it for a lot of their lives, it may not be you who's upset them. It may be somebody way back in time, but they're still responding to the world from this angry, upset, childish kind of, uh, I use the word childish in terms of they're acting from a kind of much younger age than they really are without access to all the kind of other knowledge that they've come across in their lives. So we got reactive. Next up, interesting one, A, analysis paralysis. So analysis is, we see this a lot, particularly in really smart people. They look at things in depth again and again and again, often on a loop. Yeah, but if I did that, that will happen, and then they'll think that. So if I do that, then they'll do this. If I do this, they'll do that. Or what if I don't do this? Or what will people think of me? Or is this the best way to do it? A classic analysis um, conversation is, what's the right way or what's the perfect way to do it? Because we think we think we can cognitively using our brain think our way out of this problem but that doesn't actually work what we do is we tend to think our way even deeper into the problem by thinking about it lots and lots and lots maybe you know people like that people who are quite good at analysis or particularly over analysis there's nothing wrong with a, a degree of analysis checking things out but spending time deeply and over analyzing things makes you lean towards paralysis which is you've thought so much you've kind of expended all your thinking energy thinking 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 and now you don't know what to do you've got too many options or none of the options are right we feel overwhelmed and then you just crash into i can't do anything and again sneak under the duvet who recognizes that in their lives that they've sometimes got into a place where they're in paralysis Next up, separating. So separating is when we don't want to be part of anything. Everything is something something else, someone else, nothing to do with us. We don't want to join in. We don't want to share our energy or our ideas. It's kind of linked to contraction, this coming small, not wanting to connect, but it's also often pushing people away I'd already part of you. And again, that of course links to the reactive like push. But a sense of it's me on my own. And we can see some parallels. If you were on the last couple of calls, we talked about a victim in the um, a drama triangle, the victim position. The victim position 
can be quite linked to crash but also because of the reactiveness it can be a perpetrator and that we're attacking people but then of course we feel it we feel deeply wronged by the fact that people uh, have been so unpleasant to us we've had to attack them so really it's not our fault so separating and, and interestingly the conversation that's, that's worth thinking about is one of the core conversation that causes trouble in people's lives which is distinguishing us from them me and you you're a mate in, in my gang you're part of my team you're not and we're seeing this of course all over the world stage at the moment uh, in America it's running deep uh, the way that Trump is talking about the China virus and the problems on the streets between the police and ethnic minorities and the differences seeing difference everywhere and uh, Jeffrey Sachs very interesting guy check him out as well um, one of the things he talks about is one of the biggest problems we ever have is forgetting that we are all part of the same species that we have to get on if we're going to solve any of the crises whether it's racial inequality or economic inequality or environmental disaster or any other thing the more we see you and me being different then it becomes reasonable to attack you or devalue in some way because you're not the same as me i of course would treat my friends my family and my children with kindness but you're not them so I don't need to treat you in that way so separating uh, us and them instead of we us together and I've talked before about Buckminster Fuller one of the things that Buckminster Fuller said was this idea that we should think of ourselves as being uh, the crew of a spaceship earth this is the only spaceship the only thing moving through space that can support our life form as just the right amount of oxygen just the right amount of nutrients just the right amount of Sun and we need to remember we are all the crew of this spaceship and we need to maintain it keep it safe and work together because this is the only spaceship we can live on got some other questions coming in here uh, analysis and paralysis is something i often realize i'm doing ah well done rosie <clears throat> when someone is attacking me verbally i often feel like a panic like feeling rising especially with unfamiliar people it makes me want to separate from people to hide somewhere i've been suffering from social anxiety for a long time well those are great examples of being in that space like the picture here it is uh, the picture here of someone just wanting to hide uh, and Rebecca suggests don't give her your power when her kindness is gone so are you walk away okay so one of the options uh, with people who are really difficult is is to leave to go you know what I'm just not having this conversation right now sometimes it's not okay to do that that causes more trouble uh, and it's finding ways to mentally walk away or emotionally to protect yourself to keep yourself good in spite of the fact that they're being the way they are and we talked before and some of you may not have heard this but it's worth remembering we talked about first second and third position so first position is me how I see the world second position is what would it be like to be them 
in an argument we usually stay in first position where if we if we're properly having an argument we're in first position we can't really get our heads around why could they ever think that way about the world so if you think about trump as a great example of this you watch some of the things he's doing and you think i can't even get my head around why anybody would say that or do that that means we are, we're not able to step into his shoes into second position second position is really useful to gain somebody else's point of view and that can be very useful to get a sense of why people are behaving this way because normally when we're in first position like why the hell are you doing that it's just ridiculous and we get annoyed if we can step into them and kind of go okay what's going on for them okay this this situation is very triggering for them they don't have the they don't have the emotional clarity or skill set to deal with this in a grown-up uh, a mature and evolved way because of their childhood experiences or their teenage experiences and okay it's not fair that i'm at the the sharp end of that but i get that's what's going on for them so maybe I need to bring some kindness to that person because one of the things of course that's interesting is it's super difficult to change people we may kind of go i really wish they were different much of the time but we've all tried changing people and changing people is impossible if not difficult and uh challenging because they don't tend to want to change so how do we deal with other people well let's carry on with understanding crash state because as i say we want to think of it from both ourself uh, of uh you know am i in crash state and are they in crash state because if somebody's in crash state everything you do to try and get them back is probably going to respond and get a kind of reactive angry response got a few other little comments here coming up uh carolyn says she's enjoying lucky 13 session 13 and uh, the lovely claudine voila claudine como estas um says she thinks it's very dangerous muy peligroso to say i am right and you are wrong absolutely as soon as you say i am right and you're wrong we're immediately creating this separation this distance and as we've said, one of the things that humans will do pretty much anything to avoid is a sense of somebody going, you know what, you are wrong in some way. Because as soon as we hear that, we go, hold on a minute, I think if you think somebody's wrong here and somebody is wrong, it's definitely not me, so it must be you. And that's how we get into those kind of arguments. So avoiding I am wrong or, or you're wrong, I'm right, conversations is very very useful to do both internally but but avoid saying it as well uh, i've heard a lot of people say it and all you get is an argument you put someone's back up you want to own your feelings as well instead of saying you're wrong you want to express how you feel you go okay when you say that i notice that makes me feel a bit funny you know i feel a bit upset about that um i'd like to find out a bit more about that what did you mean very classic question to ask to help you get into set the second position is to kind of go this is what i heard or felt when you say that um i just want to check in with you is that what you meant you know and they may go oh no that's not what i meant at all because so much miscommunication occurs between one person having a thought which then translates into words which they say with a certain tonality the other person hearing that through their nervous system through their ears processing that and making that mean something classic example of this of course is choosing babies names 
somebody can say hey we're having a baby uh oh, i love this name and their partner will go we can't have that name like why not it's a lovely name it's lyrical it's poetic it's beautiful and they go well my teacher had that when i was 17 i hated that teacher so i hate that name so all sorts of things will get triggered even though we think we said something very clearly we may have said it very clearly but they may have heard it in a very different way than we intended so checking in with them going you know this is what i heard is that what you meant to say is that, is that i got this right i understood this correctly it can be an interesting conversation to have not always but sometimes useful so we got separation and the last h any any guesses for h some of you may know this because i have talked about this on some of my courses h is all about hurt and hatred so it's when either we feel hurt we feel like we've been attacked we feel like we've been undermined we feel like we've been disrespected or undervalued by somebody very often we will feel on purpose as well we'll take it as an intentional attack which yeah okay sometimes it might be but quite often it's people re reacting responding to something that happened way back in their past and nothing to do with you i met a guy once um i went to college with him and he hated me absolutely hated me on site i never found out why but i think what it was was i must have reminded him of something in his past because you know i never actually conversed with him he just didn't like the look of me and that was enough for him to just hold this grudge against me for years and you may have come across that sometimes where people respond to you not based on who you are or what you do but based on something echoes in their past and you just happen to look or sound or smell or feel a bit like that old echo and suddenly they're responding to you in that way so this is crash who do you know who's in crash when are you in crash what does it feel like now we don't talk about this too much what does it feel like because that will deepen your connection with it but we can notice when you're in that place it's not great it doesn't really make life good so the first thing to do if you are in crash state is just to recognize it just to kind of go oh, okay well that's interesting here i am again this is familiar been here before maybe even notice I think it's always interesting to ask yourself how old do I feel now asking that question how old do I feel is a very interesting question because it makes you have to kind of step out of your crash state for a minute and be back to your true self to kind of go oh, okay I feel about seven as soon as you do that you've already started to distance yourself from the crash date rather than further kind of swimming into it because there's an interesting feel with these states although they're not very comfortable there's something quite comforting about being in that position of oh the whole world's awful and these are just it's so hard it kind of allows us to have to get responsibility We're like well there's nothing i can do about this, this is everyone else yeah so that's not a great place to be there can be some familiar comfort from it and as soon as we step out and ask just ask us how do i feel now it reminds us that this is not actually real this is something that we've just got familiar at getting into um <laughs> rachel says i am fond of crash it's not a great space to be in though is it because when we're in crash we become powerless 
we see the world as not very good we don't really put any action into our dreams and our goals and our passions we hide we switch on not great physiology usually sympathetic nervous system arousal sometimes we flatten so you know our serotonin probably would drop sometimes we'll be increasing adrenaline and we can make it go on for a long time or we can stop it because although neurologically it's something that we've got used to it is still a choice it's a choice and we may have to dig deep sometimes to remember that and to remember we have a choice to move out of it but the question i would always ask you is are you going to stay in this state forever the answer is no how long can it last says kate uh, as long as you fancy, as long as you, as long as you're engaging in it. But at some point, you will come out of it. It's and be very clear about this. It's not. It stops. You come out of it. You make a choice to go. Right, it's enough now. I, I feel like I've suffered enough, or time has moved on, or now it's time to crawl out from under the duvet. And it doesn't really feel like that. It feels like it's lifted, but that's not ac actually accurate it's you've decided to to get on and move on to a different phase now if you can get your head around that and it and you recognize that yeah okay i chose to go in it you know people invited me but still remember nobody can make you we talked about this last time no one can make you angry that is a choice you make as a result of their invitation okay and again, it often doesn't seem that way, but that's that's the way it is. People invite you to get into shitty states. When you notice that you're doing it, you have a choice. A choice to either throw yourself further into it or to decide, you know what, this isn't really working for me. So the quest first question you want to ask, I think, if you notice you're in crash, ask yourself, how old does this feel? That's the first question. Then what you want to do <clears throat> I just want to get my screen back on a second. <clears throat> then you want to ask yourself, is this working for me? Is this is this my best response? Is this the way I want to deal with this thing? You may remember an interesting question I asked last time, the time before, <clears throat> which is a question that's really good for asking around people who find themselves in a victim role, is to ask given that this has happened this has happened and this has happened who do i want to be so given that i feel slighted by this person my sister-in-law is being a bitch who do i want to be and then we're just shifting the conversation yeah so uh you can as kate said you can get busy and do something that's that's a distracting technique that will do is anything that moves your nervous system from sitting in the crash state into something else would ha would help lots of different things will help uh, in terms of the neurology you can switch it in a second uh, if you have kids you'll have seen this sometimes you can be really say pissed off with your partner then your kid falls down the stairs and needs to go to the hospital you forget all about how annoyed you were in crash state with your partner and you scoop up the kid and takes care of them and, and your state shifts immediately so we know we can change our state given the right triggers context moment in time so it's possible to do it how do we do it at will 
<clears throat> so Charlene says she loved the invitation explanation I mentioned from last week. Uh, her and Sarah have been discussing <laughs> this week the delightful invitations we've had and declined. So I'll just re-mention this. It's an interesting concept. The the phrase he triggered me or this is a trigger point for me or this triggers me is very common at the moment and it's just not accurate enough because it puts you completely in a passive position where the events are the things that are making you feel this particular way. And although that's how it feels, that's not actually what's going on. What's happening is someone is doing something and then you are doing or responding often unconsciously with some kind of not very good state <clears throat> and we want to rename this from they made me to because we also know that people can do things that make it easier for you to get into that state people can look at you in a certain way certain say certain things you know encourage this state in you but you still always have a choice so change it from they made me or they're making me angry to they are inviting me so consider it an invitation you know and a bit like if i invited you to a football match and if you like football you might come but if you don't like football you go no nah, i'm busy no thanks not interested yeah what if we could choose exactly the same way about invitations to go into crappy states what if we could go you know what that's i don't fancy that it's not it's not for me thank you very much and we also talked about, you know, occasionally you sit on a bus, <clears throat> someone sits next to you and they say something like, I hate people like you. And normally we would feel oh, what a horrible thing to say. But if the next thing they say is, I hate people like you, you're from the planet but Zanussi and you all come here with your bananas, throwing them around. You go, oh, OK, right. So this person has mental health issues. They don't really hate me. They think I'm from the planet Zanussi. Maybe I need to just decide not to react in the way I normally would if somebody said I hate people like you so the idea of invitations what if we could take it on like an optional invitation we could accept or decline and getting clear that we are free to accept that invitation or to decline it the other thing to do of course is to move from crash state into coach state hooray now we're talking about more more lovely things so what is a coach state? So again, it's an acronym. So the letters of the words form the word coach. The first one <clears throat> is centered. So the opposite of being contracted is being in your center. And that's why I've got this nice picture of this boat. This sense of balance, flow, knowing where you are still being able to observe what's around you not having to go there but being aware of it so being centered and in a minute i'm going to take you through each of these qualities because all you need to do whenever you find yourself in crash is to move yourself into the five steps of coach second step is to be open so instead of being reactive and having a one-shot response to be open to be thoughtful of well there are a range of options that i could have 
to be open, to listen, to pay attention to the other person rather than just coming back immediately from your knee-jerk response. So to kind of pause for a minute and to choose, a bit like going to a, me- a restaurant, having a look at the menu. So I went to I went to Cuba a long time ago, very, very interesting country, recommend you visit it. And uh, one of my friends, they went to a restaurant and they ordered, um, they ordered lasagna. Uh, so they ordered lasagna a little bit later on the guy came with some food popped it down and they said what's this he says the pizza he says well I ordered lasagna I said well we've only got pizza because that was how they used to run restaurants in Cuba uh, when you go to a restaurant hopefully there'll be a choice of things you can choose the thing you want and they will bring it to you what if we saw our emotional responses more like a menu choice of responses it's true isn't it everybody on the call at some point has probably been stressed and at some point they've also been peaceful and calm so we have both those extremes we've probably been massively frustrated and deeply accepting at some point probably not at the same time because we can't actually be those things at the same time but we have experienced those so if we can be in those states then there are choices on the menu, which one do you choose? So you've got being open. Next up we have being aware. So this is aware in two directions. Being aware of the other person, as a person, noticing what's going on for them, thinking about them a little bit, just taking a moment, think, okay, I wonder what's going on for them. Maybe playing in your mind, what must be going on for them to be being this way because this is a strange you know this is an unusual and probably not a great response for them to be in wonder what's going on for them secondly to be aware of yourself how am i feeling what space am i in am i bringing myself from a place of coach am i present to everything here rather than just this section of the whole universe the whole vastness of the universe this is the only bit i'm looking at this bit which is awful (laughs) or am I paying attention to everything am I able to see this bit in a different context so being aware bringing awareness being aware of your own state being aware of how you're responding being aware of other people Uh, and that's the awareness is opposite to the analysis which is just thinky thinky about more and more finer detail or complexity bring in a kind of soft awareness and the opposite, obviously, to separated, being separate, is being connected. Being connected, really noticing who you are, where you are, what this brings up for you, this other person, that you and I are both on Spaceship Earth. We have more in common with this human in front of us, no matter what, how difficult they are, than you know, 99.9999.9% of the rest of the universe. And we forget that by the little differences. Uh, my great friend Nick is on the call. Lovely to see him. And he's all the way in Greece, I'm imagining. And then we have holding. Uh, and what this means is the ability, and we saw this again in this this victim conversation when we said 
when you want to help someone who's got into the victim, victim role, you spend time listening to what they say without necessarily agreeing. So what's going on for you? Oh, okay. I get that's going on for you without agreeing that that is true or that it's going on for you. So they go, oh, I, I find this, I find other people really difficult to be around. I can go, yeah, I really get that. Doesn't mean I feel that I, it's difficult to be around people or I agree that all people are different difficult to be around but I get that that's experience their experience so holding means being able to sit with what is even if it's a difficult emotion so if you are a coach or if you're a therapist or a practitioner or a clinician sometimes people will bring in quite difficult moments you know they're really struggling with something and your job is to be able to be present to it to kind of go I get that but at the same time, not not necessarily have to run from the room screaming or fix it immediately to just be... So Samantha said, is it like witnessing? I'm not quite sure what exactly you mean by witnessing, but for me, that makes sense. For me, witnessing is like just going, okay, I, I see this, without judging it, giving it any meaning, but just acknowledging it. So sometimes as a coach... You will feel difficult feelings or other the person you're with will have difficult feelings and to be able to notice those, to not ban them or forbid them, but just to go, that is what it is. That's, that's there and that's okay. It's, you know, the universe hasn't fallen apart as a result. This is what's going on. And that doesn't prevent me from being a valuable human helping you, even though there are these difficult emotions flying around. So it's very interesting when you start to work with clients, particularly when you're, you're training students, how scared people are of other people being upset. So if you work with clients, you know, sometimes they're telling you about their problems and the, the new student goes, oh God, you know, they're telling me about their problems. Oh, I don't want to do with this. And learning that it's okay to just hear someone out and go, okay, yeah, and to you know agree if they go, you know, my, my you know my best friends just got made redundant and uh, you know their life is is looking pretty messy at the moment and I'm quite worried for them, you know, because for them life could be very difficult. Then, as the practitioner, you don't have to fix that. You just have to go. Yeah, I get, I really get how, how that would feel. Yeah. Acknowledge that. Then we could move on to, yeah, okay. Well, there are ways to resolve that if that feels the right thing for you to do. Uh, so witnessing is a therapy term for listening, acknowledgement, and judgment. Yeah, yeah, okay, so the same thing. Um, uh, the reason I wasn't sure what you meant by witnessing is, is people have witnessing in, in religious experiences and all, and obviously courtroom experiences as well. Uh, one of the things, of course, you have to do whenever you're communicating with someone is going to go, if you're not quite sure what they meant, go, I don't know what you mean by that. Or there are lots of different meanings. Can you just let me know? Otherwise, I'd start answering a completely different question than the one you asked. <laughs> uh, and with clients, this is very important to just pause for a minute and go, this is what I heard. Have I got this right? And the same with people in crash state. They say something and you go, okay, I heard this. Is that is that what I may have got that wrong? Taking responsibility for maybe misinterpreting it and just asking them to say it again. Um, holding spaces like f uh, forgiving for someone or yourself, or just being there. Yeah, both of those things. It's bringing yourself from a place of either 
neutral or possibly you could intentionally bring yourself from a place of kind of okay i choose to bring myself with deep compassion for this person right now not dependent on whether they deserve it or not but because because again this us and them we so what we're going to do now any questions about all this um we're going to take you through uh getting into the states of coach because of course through neuroplasticity and if anybody's not quite sure what neuroplasticity is i have a little slide all about that too let's just go back i think it's see which direction it is there it is neuroplasticity how lovely so the neuroplasticity slide uh this little red neuron here popping down is uh, a nerve cell and it's going to send a little uh yellow signal here it comes hopefully off yellow signal there it comes and it moves in this case to the orange neuron neuroplasticity is just a function of brain um, material that the more you use a particular path the stronger the connections and the more influential that pathway becomes so the more you use it stronger it becomes so if we send a, a signal down that pathway yet again then if we do it enough times it doesn't have to take too many times then this interesting thing happens and this is neuroplasticity we see the orange neuron moving towards the red one and the green one moving further away so now there's a bigger gap between the the starting neuron the red one and the green one and it's much easier now of course for the signal to jump over to the orange one and this is a problem of course because the more we practice particular states the easier it is to get into them so the more we're in crash state the easier it is to get into it but equally if we choose to access coach states they become more familiar it's really about familiarity and about practice uh, people often make it a lot more complicated than that but in my experience it really is about how have you trained your neurology and when i say trained it's not like you trained it that way on purpose it's just that's what's happened in your life and after a while it almost starts to do it by itself so uh, to complete the neuroplasticity slide if we throw the signal across that slightly bigger gap which is a little bit tougher because the green neuron is now far further away from the red neuron but if we do decide to put our energy and our focus in that direction this is how we learn new skills uh, then if we keep on throwing that signal down into the green pathway then because and this is really important to remember neuroplasticity is always on then the green neuron will come closer to the red one and the orange one will get further away and now the new pathway becomes your default pathway so pretty much whatever you've got going on in your life is a function of this a classic example of course is picking up your toothbrush everyone pick up your imagined your toothbrush put some toothpaste on it and then put it into your mouth and start brushing your teeth what's your what's your favorite tooth which one gets the best of the first bit of the toothpaste chances are it'll be the same one each time the brain uses neuroplasticity as a kind of shortcut to just do things without thinking which is great it's how we learn but if we've unfortunately learned patterns and pathways that are not very good they become second nature and in fact there is a lot of um, suggestion that the more we do things like brush our teeth in a different order stir our teeth in a different direction we're kind of helping our brain to stay up and friendly and awake and uh, 
more likely to have a well-exercised, long-lived brain. The Mind Body Connection Podcast. The Body and Mind. With your host, Dr. Phil Parker.